World's Finest Podcast, Episode 66. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello. How are you, Mr. Sinus Infection? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you just answer your own question there, sir? <laughs> I think I might have. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Sinus Infection working on four hours sleep, having been up since 5 a.m. Besides that, how are you doing? Um, I'm actually doing all right. Uh, That's good. I've been getting a lot done lately, and I've caught up with my schoolwork, and, and I uh, finally finished that music video, and... I'm actually starting to work on another one too. Don't just don't just gloss over that. Talk about the music video. In fact, it's going up the same day as this episode of WFP. It's actually my first non-anime music video because mm-hmm. it is a Teen Titans music video. Yeah. I don't really want to say anything else about it. Really, I just want to let it be a little secretive until it goes up. Well, then I'll say something about it, and that's it's badass. <laughs> it really you, is. It's super fucking cool. Yeah, and it made me want to go watch stuff, you know? <laughs> it really made me want to. I'm trying to be vague. <laughs> yeah, feels good. I haven't I hadn't put one out in over a year, so... And I'm working on another one, too, so... Can you tease hope. anything about the next one? It'll be Wonder Woman. Oh, wow, the, okay. The, cool. anim- the animated movie. It'll be a, a little more lighthearted, but still kind of action-oriented. Oh, okay. So yesterday, that being yesterday, as of the time uh, we're recording this, I actually recorded the first episode of a new podcast. But it's it's not my podcast. Not mine at all. A listener of ours by the name of Sean, he uh, sent me an email saying, hey, I'm launching this new podcast. Would you like to help me record the first episode? And I was like, sure. What the hell? Sounds cool, you know? And uh, I, uh, my understanding is that he's going to have uh, rotating co-hosts, at least for the time being. Um, so what we did was we uh, did a full-length feature commentary. We were both watching the movie and, and you know discussing it, as you do with commentaries, of course, of uh, Star Trek First Contact, which oh. was the eighth Star Trek film, but the second one featuring the TNG crew. Um, the podcast is called Timecast. And you will be able to find that at thetimecast.wordpress.com. Thetimecast.wordpress.com. He's saying it might go up as early as Monday or Tuesday, so actually before this episode of WFP airs. But if it's not, you know, give him time. He's, He's new to this podcasting and editing thing. So, you know, just just keep a lookout for that. It's not on iTunes yet, but he uh, was telling me that as soon as he gets, um, as soon as he figures out how to make the RSS feed and submit that to iTunes, he's going to do that, and then it'll be available on there, too. So it, it, it was pretty cool. It was a fun experience. And I got to tell you, though, okay, let, let me just let me just give you a clue as to my behavior on the show, okay? Okay? <laughs> Damn shit fuck. Oh, oh, I was able finally able to get that out of my system. I, I asked them beforehand. I go, now, Sean, you've listened to WFP. You've listened to some of the other Earth2.net podcasts. You know I got a potty mouth. This is your podcast. 
is there going to be an explicit tag on it? And he said, I'd like to keep the cursing to a minimum. So I was a good boy. I didn't curse at all. I think I started to say pissed off at one point, and I, I caught myself, and I stopped mid-piss, mid so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very odd sentence structure. But... Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I was a good boy. didn't swear. So, yeah, that's why I had to get my damn shit fuck out right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, who knows? Being WFP, we'll probably have plenty of opportunities to say it. Yeah, with well, some of the ones we're talking about today, I think we're going to be cussing. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> oh, but uh, we'll save that for later, of course. Uh, the reviews of the shows, the cussing, we'll probably do in a fucking minute. Ha! See what I did there? I'm clever. I see what you did there. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to the emails. All right, first one is from Tim, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I just finished listening to your Batman and Robin review on Earth 2. show. Bravo, thank you for the pain you went through for us as listeners' enjoyment. Did you know Paul Dini has openly apologized for writing Heart of Ice because he thinks revitalizing Mr. Freeze led to that quote-unquote film? Also, Sub-Zero was originally a tie-in for the film, but after the criti- uh, critical panning of Batman and Robin, which he blames himself for making possible, still to this day, they pushed it back here uh, so they were not connected to it in any way. I think we did mention that in our review of Sub-Zero, that it came out so late because of something having to do with Schumacher's movie. We might have, I don't remember. I mean, that was, what was that, like episode maybe 20 of WFP? Uh, somewhere around there so yeah let me look it up real quick so you know that was so long ago i i i couldn't tell you i i don't remember (laughs) but you know frankly i I don't think he should apologize for that pardon my typing here episode 19 i was right i was almost right on the button there um but what do you call yeah he shouldn't because you know what they they would have used mr freeze they would have used the scarecrow they would have used anybody that they hadn't used at that point and no matter who they used, they would have dicked it up. No, he did the right thing, and they helped make Mr. Freeze super cool for the modern era of comics. They gave him this great backstory, and that's allowed the comic book writers to kind of piggyback on that and make him a really great character in the comics. And you know what? The movies, it's their own thing, and they fucked it up, and he should just be like, whatever. If I was him, I would just be glad that they didn't use Harley Quinn. Especially since Heart of Ice won a an Emmy or something, didn't it? If it if it didn't win, it was nominated, but I do think it won, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, on a happier note, congrats to Earth2.net, the show's fourth anniversary, and let's give a round of applause to our hosts who suffered through episode 350. <laughs> three cheers for Ian, James, and Mike. Three cheers for Earth2.net. And three cheers for Batman and Robin for making three uh, episode 350 possible. Oh, <laughs> wait. No, boo. No, th- th- 350 still would have been there. It just would have been yeah. something else. <laughs> yeah. But instead, you got a suffering, so hey. Yeah. yeah. Well, gents, the gauntlet of pain that was the Burton Schumacher land is over, and I look forward to the reviews of the awesome Nolan franchise that knowing Mike, James, and Ian will be equally enjoyable. Here's to you, gentlemen. The pain and suffering's over. The promised land is ahead of us. It's been an honor. You know, I'm, I'm a little worried when we get to those Nolan films. I mean, we've had such a fun time being like, this sucks, my head's hitting the <laughs> desk, what the fuck, Mr. Freeze is stupid, that when we get to just the Nolan films, it's going to be like, this is awesome. Wasn't that cool? That was cool. We're not going to know what to do because we can't take the piss out of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it will be uh, an, an odd listen, no doubt. 
Next one is from Steve, who writes, Hey guys, just wanted to get your thoughts on the news that DC will be doing a Batman Beyond series. What do you think uh, of that, and how they'll do this? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think it's interesting that they're going to be doing this, uh, I think it's a six-issue miniseries. I think it's been said on WFP before, but if it hasn't, you know, I just want to reiterate, this is a comic book miniseries, not a television miniseries. I've seen a lot of people online misinterpret, misinterpret, pardon me, what Dan DiDio said when this was announced. And no, 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 not a new TV show, comic book. Uh, they, I don't think they've announced the creative team yet, but you know what? I, I think it's cool that they're going to be doing something. Just, just something. Even if it's an alternate Earth, I don't care if it's part of the proper DCU continuity. If it's on New Earth or Earth Zero or whatever they're calling it, it doesn't matter. They're they're just shining a spotlight on this character that a lot of people want to see in the comics. And you know what? If it does well, it'll get another mini series or an ongoing series. So if if you want to see this character succeed in comic book form, buy those issues. Definitely buy those issues. That's pretty much how I feel about Static being brought into regular DC continuity. Now, mm-hmm. I don't, I never really read through the Teen Titans arc that he came in through, but mm-hmm. I'm just kind of glad that he's now at least loosely part of the DC, main yeah. DC verse. So. Yeah. And uh, I feel the same way about this. Uh, any more Batman Beyond is awesome by me. Yeah. And last on his email says, uh, oh, and about Static charging the ring, in one issue during the Rebirth storyline, Green Arrow is shown powering up a ring, so it probably is possible for a non-lantern to charge a ring. No, no, no. See, the point there is, I, I read Rebirth ages ago, and I, I don't remember anything about it, but the, the point was, it's not that a non-lantern can... Okay, because I'm, I'm thinking what happened in there is that uh, Green Arrow put on the ring and charged it, I, you know, but static, he didn't do that. He charged it with his own power. And I don't think it can work that way. But I know we have at least one more email that addresses this situation. So I'll kind of cut myself off there until we get to that email. Okay. Next one is from Christian, who writes, Hey guys, this is Big C writing from Buenos Aires. I only started subscribing to WFP last weekend, and it kicks ass. So far, I've listened to all your reviews of Batman Beyond, and I'm halfway through the Superman Gotham Knights. Don't ask me why I'm doing it in that order. Uh, but at first, I thought WFP might be an offshoot of World's Finest Online.com, which also reviews DCAU episodes. But that couldn't be right because of the wildly different reviews of the same episodes. I, they praised Prototype and Panned Heroes, and you did the reverse. Wait, 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 wait. They praised Prototype? Oh, uh, which one was what? Prototype? Why am I blanking on that one? The douchebag who, like, puts on the suit and fights Superman, the cop. Oh, Jesus! And, uh, w- w- which episode was Hero? He mentioned that one, too, and I'm blanking there. Was that the one in Batman Beyond with the, uh, the Fantastic Four ripoffs? It, oh, is, it, is it called Heroes? Or Hero? Heroes. That's Batman Beyond, yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, to be fair, we didn't give that great scores. We give that very average scores, a five and a six for James and myself, respectively. Um, But still, you know, average is, is, you know... Okay, you know, it's been said on this show before, but for anybody that's new to the show and hasn't gone back to listen to the old episodes, you know what, I do want to say something about our grading scale. A lot of people who use a ten-point scale, anything below a seven is considered, like, terrible. You know, And, and that's bullshit in my eyes. A five, that means average. Average. Right. That doesn't mean good, or it doesn't mean great, it doesn't mean bad, it means it's it's good, it has its flaws, it could have been better, but hell, it could have been a lot worse too. 
you know. So, you know, I just I just want to hammer that point home. It got a five and a six. Eh, it's 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 not bad, you know. It's it's right there, right in the middle. So, yeah, that's that's our grading scale. But I, I do think we've mentioned that earlier on the show. I just wanted to throw that out there for new listeners or right, for anybody that, was... that forgot that was our stance. Right, uh, and that was a long time ago. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also subscribe to a podcast reviewing, uh, reviewing mostly Justice League episodes, but your reviews are better than both. <laughs> I like the is- interesting, offer- often humorous inferences uh, you make about some of the characters portrayed in the DCAU. Matt Hagen in a homosexual relationship with his assistant, Metallo the rapist, Willie Watt being Professor Milo's bastard son. <laughs> Although if I related, if I related to uh, if related to him, I think Watt would be more likely Milo's maternal grandson. Although, I like how you agree with me in thinking that Superman Returns and the Burton Schumacher films were fucking terrible. Killing off Joker in the first one was nothing short of criminal, and Superman Returns was just dull and uninspired. A few things. One, speaking of the Burton films, why do people think that Michael Keaton was such a great Batman? I found him dull as Bruce Wayne and unintimidating as Batman, especially in comparison to Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale. Um, well, I mean, if you compare him to Conroy and Bale, then of course he's not going to seem as great, but... Yeah. Um... I thought I actually thought he was actually pretty intimidating as Batman, especially in uh, scenes where he's slinking around, like in the uh, Axis Chemical Factory. Mm-hmm. I thought he was he seemed pretty intimidating there. Um, and as far as him as Bruce Wayne, uh, and again we discussed all this back in that massive episode of Earth Two Dot Net, the show. But you know, I thought it was okay. As I thought it was uh, pretty good as Bruce Wayne. He he fumbled around a little bit and let the playboy side come out uh a lot but and he had the of course the brooding uh repeatedly so i i thought he did a pretty good job as both for me i just like him as an actor that that's really all it is and i like him i like seeing him get any sort of role and that was a huge role for him to be getting second what did you think of the batman i thought of i thought that in some ways it deserves points for originality but ultimately missed the mark by quite a bit Batman's ears being way too short, Kevin Michael Richardson's wretched portrayal of the Joker, the absence of Rachel Ghoul, Scarecrow, and uh, Two-Face, and the overuse of the aforementioned terrible Joker and second-string villains. Uh, again, we've mentioned this on several episodes of WFP before, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't a fantastic show, but it certainly had its bright spots. I do I do agree with you on the villains. I, I don't know what the hell they were doing with Joker there and and Mr. Freeze. They completely fucked Mr. Freeze up. Yeah, he was a jewel thief, wasn't he? If I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. yeah, he was just a common thief. Yeah. Not a great show, but it, it wasn't really bad either because it, it had a lot of great uh, bright spots, I thought. Yeah, in regards to them not using someone like Rachel Ghoul, though, I kind of understand that because Batman the Animated Series did such a wonderful job with that character. What else can you do with that character in a cartoon. You know what I'm saying? So they were better off just not even going there. And I I don't mind that at all. You know, Two-Face, the Batman was was geared at a slightly younger audience than, in truth, the entire DCAU was, you know? And Two-Face is kind of scary. So I can see them not using him, too. Yeah. Uh, He isn't in Brave and the Bold, is he? Uh, I don't think he has been, but he will be. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, again, I, I never get to see Brave and the Bold, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know what? As for Rasta Joker, 
I know a lot of people hate it. I don't think it was the best thing in the world, but it was different, and I'll give them credit for trying. They they, they do get a gold star for trying. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, I'm surprised uh, you didn't notice or bring up a scene in Batman Beyond in which a truck is getting a refill of petrol. I found it kind of funny and sort of pathetic that roughly 40 years into the future, there are flying cars, plus all the features of the Terry uh, McGinnis bat suit. But no alternative fuels for automobiles, at least in Gotham. It's a minor observation. I thought you guys would be interested in. Though I think it's it's in Joyrider, Earth Mover, or one of the those forgettable second season episodes. Keep up the good work, and can't wait till you start reviewing Justice League. Hey, Anymore. just two Very more long. episodes. Yep, yep. One month, one month from the day this debuts. This exactly. episode debut. Yep. Alrighty, next one is from Thomas, who writes. Hey gang, uh, I've heard you shouting out to me when uh, talking about Fallen Hero, and that made me think that you were calling on me to act as a semi-official E2 lantern expert. Yes! <laughs> exactly! So here's what I say about the questions you have about Lantern and Sinestro in accordance with this episode. Now, you're absolutely right about the ring's all-powerfulness. To, to all uh, intents and purposes, uh, when John Broom was writing Hal, the ring was pretty much the equivalent of a magic lamp capable of doing anything. In fact, the Silver Age ring was actually able to physically transport, uh, transform people. Uh, in the idiotic story Wings of Destiny, Hal's bad dream makes the ring turn high face <laughs> into a pigeon. While its power has been ratcheted back in the meantime, it has been able to create realistic disguises for the Lanterns as early as the post-crisis era. And it makes sense if you accept that the ring is a highly sophisticated pho- uh, photonic generator. After all, what's a realistic hologram but a light photon sculpture? As for Sinestro uh, charging his ring with John's lantern, it's also within the realm of fact. As early as Green Lantern number 9, there are instances of Sinestro siphoning energy off of Hal's ring to power his own. Hmm. Thus, it makes sense that he could power his ring from a GL battery. And this uh, may have changed once Jeff Johns got a hold of Hal and decided to do everything short of marry him and his man-crushiness, but there you go. (laughs) And as for the Hoop Squad, if you look to... No, wait... I made this last one up to bug you. Hope everything is well, Tom. I'm better in the dark. Yes, thank you, Tom. Thank you. I, I knew if we put a, a call out to you, um, you would set us straight. So, you know, pardon my rant in the previous episode where I was like, it doesn't work that way, or whatever I was going off about. So, there we go. <laughs> Next one is from Kevin, who writes, Hey guys, in episode 64, you mentioned how bringing Oracle into the DCAU without hurting Barbara Gordon uh, would have been a good idea. I thought it would interest you to know that it was originally the plan for the JLU episode Double Date, and it was intended as a Birds of Prey tribute. Babs was going to give up being Batgirl and become Oracle, but the later uh, the idea was later rejected. Keep up the good work, Kevin. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I did not know that at all. Yeah. And next one is from Yaz, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I'm writing in first off to compliment you guys. I started listening avidly two weeks ago, and I just got to say I love WBFP. It's the only podcast where I've listened to every single episode. Wow, again, two weeks. (laughs) I've been trying to catch on everything so I could get to the latest episode by listening to it while I'm drawing, while I'm eating, or when I'm eating, and even turn it up all the way so I can listen when I'm showering. I've only just gotten up to episode 47, but I'm getting there. Uh, From a lot of the references and questions you guys sometimes have, I get the feeling you haven't read uh, Batman, uh, Batman Animated, which is this amazing art book for Batman the Animated Series with loads of really neat information and extra facts. At one point, you guys were wondering how often Robin showed up after a certain episode in the Animated Series. It might have been Robin's Reckoning, but I'm not sure. So here's a little excerpt that relates to that question. When Fox changed the title 
uh, from Batman the Animated Series to the uh, Adventures of Batman and Robin, they laid down the law. No story premise was to be considered unless it was either a Robin story or one in which the Boy Wonder played a key role. Out were underworld character studies like It's Never Too Late, in were traditional Batman and Robin escapades like The Lion and the Unicorn. A potentially intriguing Catwoman-Black Canary team-up was interrupted mid-pitch to the network uh, by their demand, Where's Robin? When the writers asked if they could omit Robin for one episode, Fox obliged by omitting the entire story. Hmm. So, you guys definitely need to get it. And if you already have, then every other BTS fan should. It's by Paul Dini and Chip Kidd. And actually, I believe another fan mentioned it to you guys in an email. And if you guys uh, mention this in a future podcast, and I've already talked about it, sorry about that. But in episode 17, I know how you guys gushed on and on about how much you love Jonah Hex. So I'm wondering what you think of the live-action movie they're making. I think we addressed that in the last episode, didn't we? The Jonah Hex movie? If not, that uh, one or two before. Speaking of Jonah Hex, in the same episode he appeared uh, in on Batman Brave and the Bold, in the teaser half we see the terrible trio. Are they Batman comic villains? I mean, we've seen yeah. them on BTAS, The Batman, and now Brave and the Bold. Yeah, they are. Yeah, sadly. Uh, by the way, I hated The Batman. I really loathed how they just wrecked so many of the villains we love. So thank goodness for the brilliance of Batman, The Brave and the Bold. What a breath of fresh air. I love that series. It's absolutely brilliant. In episodes like Mayhem of the Music Meister, I could not stop laughing. It's funny and witty and so subtle the kiddies won't realize how good it is until they get older. Kind of reminds me of Hey Arnold and how Helga's mother was an alcoholic. Anyway, getting off my tangent, it's too bad that's not part of the DCAU continuity. I really would have liked hearing your thoughts on those episodes. What, Hey Arnold? <laughs> I'm guessing uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. <laughs> Also, I wanted to say I agree with you guys about the Burton films. I've always disliked them, so when I first heard you guys making subtle or not-so-subtle hints about how you guys don't care for them either, I was pleasantly surprised, considering how every other Bat fan seems to consider them. I do, however, have to admit that I actually like the Schumacher films. Yes, I know, I know. But Batman and Robin came out when I was six years old, and I remember going to the movies with my mom, and it was just a lot of fun for me. You know, that's fine. I mean, because yeah. the movie was geared towards your age group. Right. and We met, I think, Doug said something on the forums too, didn't he? Yeah, I remember someone, I do think it was Doug, saying pretty much the same thing. And you know what? If you grew up with that being your Batman, th th then so be it if you have a soft spot for it. That's okay. You know, if I remember correctly, didn't Ian say he had a soft spot for Batman Forever because that was the first one he saw in the cinema? Possibly. I, I think remember. he said that. Uh, uh, pardon me, Ian, if, I, if I'm getting that wrong. And that's okay. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 just the way it is, you know. And as James said, that's it was geared towards your demographic. So yeah, yeah, you know, as long as you acknowledge at the end of the day that it is crap, <laughs> then exactly. it's okay to say you have a soft spot for it. <laughs> uh huh. That's pretty much what I have to do with Batman Returns. Yeah, I know it's crap, but I have a soft spot for it. <laughs> well, yeah, th that's the thing. I, you know, we kind of get lumped together when people are like, "You guys hate the Burton films." I hate them. I don't think you hate them, though. I dislike them, but I don't hate them. I can't. I can't hate them. Uh, anyway, finishing up the email here. The uh, the audience was great, and there was a lot of cheering and whistling. It was like watching a cartoon in live action with a lot of sexual innuendos. So I suppose it's just associative love to my childhood. But what I really enjoy them, and with the exception of what they did to Gordon. Oh God, those are some really fun movies. Well, I'll wrap this up. Once again, love you guys. Keep up the great work, and I'm looking forward to Justice League. P.S. Teen Titans is in continuity. <laughs> 
damn straight. I was going to say, I really want to go back and uh, make make an edit to my music video with a little joke at the end of it, but <laughs> nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> your call, your call. You got a couple of days before we put it up. Um, <laughs> anyways, in regards to that book, I actually do have it. Um, I know I've read parts of it. I've flipped through all of it. Um, but the parts I've read, it was ages ago. It was pretty much when I got it. That's when I, that's when I read it. Um, I still have it and I, I could tell you exactly where it is. And, and no, I'm not being, trying to be cute. Like, Oh, it's on the bookshelf. No, it's in a stack of books on the floor. But, uh, yeah, you know, one day I intend to read the whole thing and just, you know, really devour it. But I just, I just don't have the, the time in the foreseeable future to, to get to that. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing it in Borders several times, and I've re- I regret it all the time that I didn't buy that book mm. when I had the chance. Because, you know, I haven't seen it for years now. Yeah, it's probably long out of print, I'd have to assume. I mean, if it's not, that's great, but I do assume it is. Have you noticed that in the last couple of episodes, we've received many emails from people saying they just found the show? Yep. While we're doing Static Shock? That is so weird to me. I expected listenership to completely... Not completely drop off, but for those, hey, I just found your podcast emails to just kind of stop while we were doing static. And I even expected our downloads to kind of drop while we were doing static. And that hasn't happened at all. In fact, quite the opposite, while we've been doing static in regards to emails, you know, people saying they just found it. That's amazing to me that people are actually tuning in during the static shock stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible that uh, many of these people who are just, just finding the podcast are looking at it and they're saying, oh, wow, there's 66 episodes. You know, mm. what 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 else have they done? Oh, <laughs> Batman, yeah. Superman. And then they go back to those. All right, next one is from Matthew, who writes, Hi, Mike and James. I'm writing to address a couple points you raised in your review of Fallen Hero. Mike complained that Sinestro using John's green power battery to charge his yellow ring was inconsistent with the comics. But I'm reading a reprint of the Yellow Ring's first appearance, Green Lantern number 9. And again, we mentioned this in an earlier email, but he does, again, Sinestro charged it by draining power from Hal's ring. And in Sinestro's words, every time you used your ring, I drew power from it to charge my own. And regarding James' concern about whether or not the Yellow Ring could create non-glowing, non-yellow disguises, in the same comic, Sinestro uses the Yellow Ring to disguise himself as Hal, complete with uniform. At no point during his masquerade is there a yellow, or for that matter, a green glow around him. More recent stories like JLA Year One have shown how creating similar non-glowing disguises. In fact, in Green, La- uh, green Lantern Emerald Dawn 2, number 2, Sinestro explicitly states that power rings can create constructs of the non-glowing variety. Based on the visual evidence in GL number 9, the yellow ring seems to have the same disguise capabilities as the GL rings, so therefore, yes, the ring can disguise Sinestro as an astronaut or Jon Stewart. Finally, I've got a question for your retrospective show. In your opinion, who were Static's best villains? Are there any you would have liked to have seen on Justice League Unlimited? So long, and thank you for all the work and time you've put into these terrific podcasts. Thank you. Thank you. Um, obviously, we'll save the retrospective question until the retrospective. Um, when it comes to creating constructs and images that don't glow, you know, one thing we have to point out is uh, John... John Stewart, he makes that cowboy outfit for himself without a glow around it. Right. So, yeah, it is definitely possible, and they, they surely show it in this uh, in the DCAU. So, yeah. 
So the fusion engine's a nuclear reactor? A very compact, efficient one. A source of endless energy. But it's highly experimental. Meaning unstable. Well, yes. In the wrong hands, it could start a chain reaction that would level several square miles. First up today is Where the Rubber Meets the Road, and this one, Sharon and Adam, that being Rubber Band Man, uh, go out on a date as Richie and Virgil sit in Adam's place and playing video games and whatnot, and they they start sifting through uh, Rubber Band Man's fan mail, which is completely untouched, and on the date, Adam tries to read the menu, but everything is all jumbled up on it, so he says he'll just have whatever Sharon is having. Uh, meanwhile, at Alva Industries, a previously unseen... Uh, metahuman who looks like Grey Hulk and the Thing put together yeah. uh, rampages his way through the corridors and trashes a high-tech lab looking for something. Um, and we go back to the date, and Sharon and uh, Adam see footage of the carnage outside Alba Industries on the giant TV screen outside. And uh, Adam asks Sharon to read him the ticker on the bottom of the screen and makes up some bullshit excuse as to why he can't read it. So he goes off to do his superhero thing while uh, this bang baby named Tarmac continues his rampage, and he ends up confronting Alva himself in the deepest part of the uh, uh, Alva Industries building, and he demands to know what this one particular object is, because this if this guy Tarmac is not the brightest bulb hmm. in the box. Uh, Alva tries to lie about it, but Tarmac uh, isn't fooled here, so he he just takes it, or he tries to take it, I should say, because uh, Rubber Band Man enters the scene and stops him and. Uh, static and gear follows shortly thereafter. So, after some very funny lines, uh, Tarmac does steal the object and he makes his getaway. Static follows after him, uh, but and Alva's like frantically telling Rubber Bamman to hit the override switch on the computer console he's standing next to, but uh, Adam just kind of fumbles around with it and has an extremely difficult time of, of reading the the panels on the on the computer. And Gear finally just runs over there and finds the button and smashes it, but it's too late because Tarmac gets away and Static ends up getting locked in instead of him. Alva then starts yelling at Rubber Bam Man for his seeming hesitation, and the, uh, they find out that the object in question was something called a fusion generator, which has enough power in it apparently to level all of Dakota. And Tarmac takes the fusion generator to the guys who hired him to steal it. I don't even want to say their names, because right now you already know who they are. So they make fun of him and re re uh, repeatedly before giving him a rather small amount of money for such a huge job. And uh, in the meantime, Alva gives the three heroes remotes with the shutdown instructions on them, and he makes some snide remark to Rubber Band Man also. Uh, Tarmac, uh, in the meantime, is at the local pool bar, and some other metahumans deride him for taking so little money for such a big job. He, I think he ended up taking only like a thousand bucks mm -hmm. from the from the uh, two that will not be named. Uh, so he beats the crap out of them, and uh, Static eventually goes to Adam's place and tells he tells him, "Look, I know you can't read," but Adam says, "No, it's not that I can't read. I'm dyslexic." And he swears Static to secrecy about this condition because, you know, he's worried about what Sharon will think. And so Tarmac confronts the uh, the Rainbow Warriors in their hideout <laughs> and demands to be let in on the big project or he'll take the fusion engine back to Alva and screw you. So uh, Huh and Huh agree, <laughs> but they, they, they turn on him pretty quickly and... Um, one of them tries to blast Tarmac again, but he avoids it, and 
he ends up blasting the fusion engine, which set, uh, sets off a small earthquake. Um, and elsewhere, Rubber Band Man, Static, and Gear go to this barren area of Dakota where Backpack detected these higher energy readings from the fusion generator. And Rubber Band Man runs into this building that's clearly marked Condemned and Dangerous. And when he goes in, it begins to collapse due to these tremors that are going around. So um, when Static helps him escape, Gear chews him out for not reading the sign which clearly would have clued him in that no one could possibly be in that building. So they make their way into the douchebag's laboratory, and Tarmac ends up taking the fusion engine away amidst all the chaos, but Rubber Bandman ends up stopping him out on the docks and just tosses him into the water. So uh, Rubber Bandman now has to fumble around uh, with the typed instructions, and, of course, with one second left, he deduces, uh, deduces the instructions and shuts the thing down. And the episode ends with a public service announcement about dyslexia. Thoughts, sir? Okay, before I get into my thoughts, uh, I just want to say uh, <laughs> something about um, Specs and Trapper. Sorry, I had to say their names. Uh, yeah, it was going to come out eventually. Yeah. Okay, you know, in the email section, we were asked about characters we would have liked to have seen in Justice League. I would have liked to have seen Specs and Trapper in Justice League, just so they could, like, start, you know being their snotty selves to Batman and he just like throws batarangs at their heads and just like knocks them out and then they're done. They're gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just want to see Batman throw batarangs at them. That'd, um, that'd be great. Uh, anyways, thoughts about this episode? It's terrible. It's so terrible. I mean, I applaud them for trying to get a message out there about dyslexia. I, I, I really appreciate that, but... That, that, that was my, my my major positive note, too. Especially because yeah. I substitute for elementary schools all the time, so... Right, yeah, no, but... Uh, the, the, the episode, it's just bad. I'll tell you how bad it is. This is how bad it is. You know, okay, there's bad dialogue, the animation isn't that great, but, you know, there, there, there's all that stuff, okay? But here's how truly bad it is. At one point... One of Trapper's gloves has six fingers. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. It did. It's there's like this extra finger. It's it's a little thinner than the rest, but it's still there. And it's it's when he's like he's got the, he's got his hands out. It's the hand in the foreground, and you know he's he's holding uh, asphalt or tarmac or whatever his name was in the air against that machine of theirs. If you look, you could see there are six fingers. They weren't even paying attention. So how many fingers were on a hand? Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty bad because they would have had to animate that several times. Yeah, they? yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, afterwards it, it goes to five fingers. It's only in that one shot, but it's the shot lasts for a couple of seconds, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, since we're on the animation here, when Specs and Trapper are laughing about duping Tarmac, they look like Beavis and Butthead. Do they? I didn't notice yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I want to say Specs is on the right of the screen, and Trapper is on the left side of the screen, and Specs has this look on his face like Butthead did in the <laughs> in the cartoon. It just like it looks like he's frowning, but his mouth is hanging open, like. Uh, 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 uh. I'm dead serious. Uh, if if you can stomach just looking, going back and. And uh, watching that part of the episode again, do because I think you'll see it. 
I gotta jump in here and say, Tarmac is dead. Yes. Uh, what happened to him? He fell into the he river. Dumped, he gets dumped into the river. Yeah, yeah. They don't pull him out, do they? No. Yeah, yeah. He's, a lot of people die in these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Very there's much. one person who should have died, but we'll get to that when we get there. Oh yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but uh, yeah. You know what though? No big loss. Uh, I'm just you know, oh no, tarmac. What a what what a loss to the supervillain community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't talking about his worth. Just yeah. how it was kind of weird that Rubber Band Man probably killed somebody there. Yeah, yeah. And you bring up Rubber Band Man. Did you notice he was doing that floating as a ball thing again? Yeah. Remember, I think there was that one episode where he was talking to Puff, and he's just like floating in midair as a ball. He does it here where he jumps transforms into the ball and hovers for a second before he descends onto, I'm assuming, Tarmac. I don't don't remember what the scene was. I just remember him floating for for longer than he should have. Yeah, I I vaguely remember what you're talking about, yes. You know, getting back to something I glossed over real quick. I'm sorry, the dialogue in this one, especially in the beginning, is ass. It is just... (laughs) Bad. Now, you were saying there were some funny lines. What were some of the funny lines? Well, it was just this one part where I have to, I I admit, when Gear and Static are making fun of Tarmac's name, I did laugh out loud at it. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was very Looney Tunes esque. Mm -hmm. um, Because he's like, what what kind of a name is Thumbtack? No, no, man. He said Knickknack. I think it was Rat Pack. Fat Pack? Oh, (laughs) Short Stack. Yeah. Yeah. I, Yeah. I did. I really did laugh out loud at that. But yeah, yeah. Other I, I, than I, I, other than that, no. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll give it that that back and forth because it really shows you the dynamic between you know uh, static and gear there, um, and that these guys really are friends. They're not just like superhero partners. Um, but yeah, everything around that was just so bad. Oh, we're going to uh, blast you into Tar Nation. Oh. <laughs> Jesus fucking. Right. Um, one thing I will give this episode as a positive, though, and this goes for his other appearance in the episodes we're going to be talking about today. Elvis still a douchebag, but he's no longer a villain. And they actually make a point in both these episodes to address that, especially the one later on in Kidnapped. He flat out says, well, that's not my agenda anymore in regards to figuring out who Static is. And here, again, he's being a jerk by, you know, treating Rubber Band Man like an asshole because he couldn't push a button. But, uh, you know, he's he's still helping the guys out, doing the right thing. So I, I think that was a nice turn for that character. And something I want to bring up is, in regards to something you said during the synopsis, is you had mentioned how because Adam couldn't press the button... Uh, Tarmac was able to escape, and Static himself got locked in. First off, we saw Tarmac rip through walls and melt things at a touch. So how are those security doors going to keep him in, even if he did hit the button in a timely fashion? Thank you. And two, did you happen to notice that when Static hit the steel door with his head, he left a dent in it? I assumed he hit it with the board because the board was all crumpled up. Okay, I didn't notice that the board was crumpled up. But even if he hit the, that door with his feet and the board, come on. The, 
there's no way this static charge is really going to protect him. From, well, I guess they have shown a static charge protecting him from like tons of falling debris. But still, that was that was really pushing it for me. And I, I I got the sense that he went in head first because I could swear he was rubbing his head on the when he was sitting on the ground. I think he was. So that really bothered me. I, I can't tell you how bad that bothered me. Almost worse than the dialogue did, if you want the truth. Yeah, because that was Looney Tunes-esque and not in a way that should have been used in this cartoon. Yeah. God damn it, why do we keep getting Specs and Trapper? I mean, hey, we're done with them, though. This is it. it. We are, but Jesus, Jesus Christ, these guys are awful. <laughs> but I think they've oh. only appeared three times, though, haven't they? Maybe four? Three. Yeah, I think it was three. But See, that's the thing, though. It's like, it seems like they've appeared so many more times. I know. <laughs> because their appearances are just so atrocious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, even Michael Rosenbaum can't even save it. He just can't. Oh. Try as he might, he just can't. <laughs> I hate these guys so much. Yep. Oh, where's Batman with his batarangs? <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but... At the, at the end there, when Adam was trying to shut down the fusion generator or whatever it was called, it takes him one full minute to get through the first part of the five-part shutdown sequence. He's only got two minutes on this clock. It takes him one minute to do the first thing. But So then we're supposed to believe he got through the other four in the remaining 60 seconds? They actually show you the counter starts, and he stops... The, or he gets through the first sequence at the one-minute mark. They actually show this. They say it. The, the clock's like 60 seconds left or whatever it says. That sequence just should have been like a lot longer, like even just a whole other minute longer. Or he just should have got through that first step a lot quicker. Because if, if they really wanted to illustrate how hard it was for him to concentrate and get those, actually read those instructions, there just should have been more time on that clock, I felt. Because then it makes it seem like the other, the, the remaining four, he got him in 60 seconds. Did he even really struggle? No. That, that's, that's, I mean, they show him struggling, but if he got through four in 60 seconds, even someone without dyslexia would take them pretty much that long to read them and then go through the sequence and get it done. So that, that's just my stance on it. I don't know. Sharon, are you all right? What did you do? I was defending myself. You came here planning to do away with him and you're a bang baby? Why didn't you tell me? Because you thought I wasn't gangbanging anymore. But I was. Me and my homie, Troy. That's how we ended up at the Big Bang together. I didn't want to go. Troy said we had to back up our crew. But let me tell you, when the heat came down, it was every man for himself. Nobody knew there was Big Bang gas down there. But we found out about it the hard way. Gas hit, Troy got a lot more of it than I did. <coughs> Troy! We both changed, but he got the worst of it. Chain link can't hide where he is, but I can. I was headed for the pros before any of this. It wasn't fair for me to have to lose all of that. So you kept it a secret till Chain Link started shaking you down. And that's why you tried to get rid of him. Because he was going to expose you. Next up is Linked. In this one, we meet a fellow by the name of Dulé, and he is a uh, young pro uh, 
uh, I, I was going to say footballer, but that's not the right term. He doesn't play he's soccer. A, he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a prospect. Yeah. Oh, is he a prospect or is he actually... I, at the, no, he's in. He's in the, well, NFL because he was supposed to be in that All-Star game. That's... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's so, right. but uh, he's a rookie, but, you know, maybe first year, second year, but he's, he's real green at this point, at least when it comes to the pros. But regardless, well, it turns out that he has a tie to the Hawkins because Sharon was his counselor. Uh, and he was uh, a troubled student. He was in a gang, and she helped get him out of that, and uh, he was able to focus on his football and his education and then become the star that he is today. Well, it turns out that, I I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but it turns out that he was actually at the docks when the, uh, the whole Big Bang started, and he and a buddy of his who were in the in that gang war, uh, they both got transformed in the, in the, I almost said gang babies, bang babies, <laughs> um, with very similar powers, that of Doc Ock. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Dulé, he can hide his, he can retract his tentacles into his body. That sounded so bad. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, but his buddy, who now goes by the name of Chain Link, cannot retract his tentacles. I can't believe I keep saying that. Um, so he is very pissed off at Dulé because, you know, he feels cheated. You know, his friend gets to go on and become a, a you know, a world-famous star as a football player. And what what's he got? You know, he's stuck robbing convenience stores and whatnot um, and, and living in, you know, a flea-ridden... Uh, hotel. So he decides that he is going to blackmail Dulé, and unless Dulé uh, gives him 90% of his earnings, he's going to out him as a bang baby. Because if he does that, uh, I guess in this world, bang babies can't be uh, professional athletes. There's a ban against them, so he'll have to uh, end up getting nothing. It really does make sense, because they'd have a massive advantage over everybody else. It makes sense if they're speedsters or if they have, like, leaping abilities and stuff like that, but he's got metal tentacles coming out of his back. Doesn't exactly help you while playing football, but I digress. You know, you, you, you can't really pick and choose who you allow. It's, it's kind of an all-or-nothing thing, but it does set him up as second-class citizens, if you want the truth. You know, yeah. but that's that's a whole political discussion we don't necessarily need to get into. But uh, so uh, Dulé uh, seemingly agrees to this, but then he uh, uh, tells uh, Chainlink to meet him at a factory. They have a fight. Uh, Dulé actually tries to kill Chainlink twice during this fight, um, but uh, Chainlink is able to get away uh, on accident. If you want the truth. And uh, later on at this uh, all-star football game, uh, Dulé uh, isn't playing. He isn't playing. And he goes out uh, to, to the 50-yard line at halftime, and he takes a microphone, and he addresses the crowd, and he's about to admit that he's a bang baby. But uh, Chain Link comes down from the rafters, and uh, they get into a fight. Uh, Dulé on live national TV uh, lets his tentacles out. <laughs> And, uh, it's like we're describing some kind of weird hentai. I know, I know. When I was watching this, there were a couple points where I'm like, there's no way this isn't going to sound like tentacle porn. Um, <laughs> I, I knew it was going to happen, and here we are. Oh, but anyways. Um, 
The crowd freaks out, of course, and uh, or I shouldn't say of course, because I'll address that in a little bit. Uh, they fight, Static and Gear show up, they fight, the football team gets in on the fight, <laughs> and uh, uh. eventually, yeah, eventually Chain Link is taken down. Uh, we find out that Dulé uh, has been expelled from the NFL or whatever the DCAU equivalent is. And, uh, you know, it kind of ends with him learning what Sharon was trying to teach him all those years ago. That, uh, and it's, it's actually something she says to him. It's, I didn't want you to do good. I wanted you to be good. She didn't expect him to become a big superstar. She just expected him to be a good person. And he now realizes that, you know, attempting to murder someone to cover up your secret doesn't make you exactly a good person. Um, and that's, if I remember correctly, just sort of where the episode ends. So, some thoughts. Sharon is majorly flirting with this guy the whole time. Isn't yeah. she supposed to be dating Rubber Band Man? Thank you. Thank you. That was my first note. And I've only got three more. So, <laughs> next next one. Seriously, Sharon doesn't figure it out. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. They, fucking Richie and Virgil run off down the road. 20 seconds later, here come Gear and Static flying up the mountain road. Yeah. And she can't fucking figure it out. Really. Yeah. Fuck this episode. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I agree with the fuck this episode, but it's going to get a higher score than the previous one because it doesn't have Specs and Trapper. <laughs> it <laughs> well, gets a point for that. that. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say argue. it gets a point for that. It's that the previous one loses a point for having them. You go ahead, because I don't want to use up all my notes now. Oh, okay. You were talking about, you know, Sharon not figuring it out, and I have to talk about something else in that scene. You know, as you said, Richie and Gear, Richie and Gear, <laughs> Richie and Virgil, they run off. And, you know, as you said, 20 seconds later, not even, really, they come back as gear and static. But they were in tuxedos. They were in Dulé's Humvee. They didn't have backpacks with them. They had nothing with them but the clothes on their backs. Where did they get their costumes? And backpack, and the roller skates, and the helmet. You cannot tell me that they were, what, wearing that all underneath their tuxedos? No. Backpack, there's no way. Static's coat, there's no way. The roller skates, there's no way. And don't try to feed me that this stuff folds up ultra small and they had it in their pockets. Because <laughs> they have not demonstrated that before with these characters. Yes, the flying board folds up, but that's the only thing we see that with. Is that how that sentence is supposed to be structured? Okay, that's <laughs> we don't see that with anything else, is what I was trying to say. There you you know, that really, really bothered me. I mean, had the boys had the, their backpacks with them, sort of like they did in the uh, when they were on the bus in the Toy Man episode. I think it was the Toy Man episode. Right. Yeah. Maybe I could buy it. But this in tuxes in a car that was not their own? No. No, no, no. And something else I have to bring up, being a huge flub. Okay, these four seasons, pretty much... Okay, Virgil really hasn't aged, but I think we're supposed to assume take place over 18 months, maybe two years. Do you agree with that? Honestly, I really have thought from the beginning that this is at least a three-year time span. Okay, okay, let's say it is three years. Let's just say it's three years even, okay? Okay. Okay, when did Sharon become a counselor? 
that was third season, wasn't it? Exactly. How could she have been this guy's counselor? If she was his counselor in high school, that means he's gone through at least some years of college so that he could get to the pros. That's true. If you think about it, okay, so so maybe she, she was his counselor in his senior year of high school, and that was her first year. Okay, really? So it... it it's maybe been six months since then, based on the timeline we've seen on this show. There's no way he went through the summer after high school, and then, like I said, he had to have gone to at least a couple years of high school, or college to then get into the pros. Yes, I know, some people are drafted right out of high school, but they never say that at all. You have to assume this guy went the route most people do and has a few years of college underneath his belt. So they're yeah. totally screwing up their timeline. It's not like she's been a counselor since the moment the show started. No, it was third season-ish. That, that's another thing that really bothered me. I, I couldn't get around that. Through the whole episode, I'm like, she was not your counselor. Yeah, the only way I can think of to explain this is maybe she did this kind of thing at the community center. But wasn't she doing it at the community center? Or was she doing it at the high school? Oh, God, I, I, I don't thought she was doing it at the community center. I thought she was, too, yeah. Yeah, so, no, th- th- she was just starting out. She really was just starting out when we first saw her. She wasn't doing it before then. Right. So, yeah, yeah, they screwed up there. They did. <laughs> um, speaking of screwing up, um, yeah, so this huge vat of acid in this warehouse, which... Yep. We don't even know where this is, why there's a huge vat of acid in this warehouse somewhere. Completely spills over, and <laughs> this thing is about to just engulf Chainlink, but it just magically goes around him. <laughs> On both sides. It's both not sides. like it just veers off to one side. It just stops, splits, and then comes back together around him. Yep. It's like he had a like a force field around himself. Yeah, and it's not like static shot, like any sort of bubble down there or something. It's not like the guy used his mechanical tentacles to divert it. No, it just went around him and they came back together. <laughs> it was like the acid was afraid of touching him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my god, that was this is one of the worst animation flubs in this yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is genius. It really, this is just genius. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's attack the super strong metal absorbing Doctor Octopus from the hood with footballs. <laughs> and and I love how both teams attack Chainlink, and the quarterback Rashid has like forty seven footballs at his disposal from absolutely nowhere. Yeah, yeah. He's just <laughs> he's just throwing footballs like, and he's just bringing them back from behind his back or something. It's just like vroom, 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 vroom. Yeah, because, okay, we see a bunch of footballs hit him, then they show the football team, and the quarterback is the only one with footballs in his hand. So up to that point, you can assume that maybe the other guys also had footballs in their hands, and the ones that were thrown were thrown by them. But after the point that they show the team, we know that he no longer has footballs because we see him throw them, but then they cut back to chain link and he's still getting hit. From where? <laughs> No one else has them anymore. But like I said, before that, you could assume maybe they threw theirs. But afterwards, no. It's football hammer space. But um, I, I really, it just, it's like so funny. Both teams just kind of look around and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we know what to do. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. it's like, what? 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 Did they 
did they practice this before the game? Both teams got together and said, okay, if this gigantic octopus guy happens to attack the building, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> or is that, is that, is that the metahuman three point stance or something? I mean, what, what is it? <laughs> and did you notice that when they rushed him, one of the guys turns around and dives into the stands? Yes! But okay, yes! now what he does is he, at first I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Me but too, he, he actually goes up in, into the lights, and he starts shining the lights on Chainlink. I don't remember why he did it, if he's trying to blind him or he what. Was, was trying to blind him, yeah. But I was like, oh my god, I literally had to watch it like three times to make sure I saw what I saw. Dude, I, I, I had a chicken about shit. It. I had a note about him jumping into the stands. I was like, what the fuck? And then I had to delete it because he just, he ran and, he ran and got the lights. I was like, oh, I really wanted him to not be doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 something that I said during the synopsis and I said, oh no, that's, well, I don't remember the exact wording on it, but what I was getting at was, okay, so Chainlink shows up at this football stadium. You know, while Dulé is trying to give this impassioned speech and admit the truth about him being a bang baby. So he's up in the rafters, and then he heckles Dulé. And somehow everybody hears this. Don't give me, oh, this stadium was, you know, in this, in this, just this hushed silence. Because, you know, Dulé is out there, the people are going to be murmuring. And there's no way they're going to hear some schmuck up in the rafters just yell, Okay. But, okay, even beyond that, okay, so fine, whatever, maybe, 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 maybe we'll justify that. So, Chainlink comes down, Dulé backs off, goes into, like, the end zone or whatever, and they, so they see the one metahuman that they could pretty much assume is going to be a douchebag, that this guy's a villain, okay? Then, they're they're all just sitting there, but when Dulé reveals that he has you know, the power of hentai, all of a sudden, they start <laughs> screaming and flee the building. They only run away when they see their, 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 their you know, their idol is, is a bang baby. They're, they're, what is up with that? Oh, one bang baby, we'll stick around so we can see the footballer get murdered. But two bang babies, we don't want to see that. Run away. <laughs> oh, I didn't understand that. What the fuck? Uh, what the fuck, indeed. And, and where did Dulé get that, that beam that he threw at him? All of a sudden, he had a, one of those, like, like a girder that he chucked at him. Where did he get that? No idea. Just all of a sudden, hey, I got metal. Hey, hey, what? You ripped well, the Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't that static that ripped the, the girder off and threw it at him? Because then when he absorbs it, he's like, oh, yeah, mental note. Let's not give the guy any more metal to absorb. No, the, static does throw something metal at him. But before that, Dulé throws, uh, uh, like, one of those beams at him, and he uses his tentacles to chop it up. He doesn't absorb that beam. Just trust me on that. It's right when the fight starts. Okay. He all of a sudden has a beam that he throws at him. Okay, so something else, uh, what do you call it, that, that I had mentioned earlier was that Dulé attempts to murder this guy twice, and Static just lets him walk. The first time, and it was both in that factory sequence, the first time was when he set up this whole thing to, to try to murder him. Oh, I'll meet you at this abandoned warehouse, yada, yada, yada. And he tries, you know, he rips off the side of the railing and tries pushing him in. He sends his tentacles down and comes back up, and they, they try to shove him into one of those vats. Then, later on, he knocks that vat over to, to murder him with the acid. 
Static didn't see the first, but he can assume what happened there. But he definitely saw the second. And he just lets this guy walk away from attempted murder? That wasn't fucking self-defense. It was a setup from start to finish. Yeah, the guy was trying to blackmail him. That's true. But he still <laughs> concocted a plan to murder someone. Yep. Oh. Um, before I get to my final, final note, I want to mention my not final note. I, I don't know why I said final, final note there. Um, something we haven't brought up is that we get the one and only appearance of Richie's flying skateboard. <laughs> what? Yeah, why does he have a flying skateboard if he has skate, like rocket skates? Yeah, th- that came out of nowhere. I just I just wanted to get that out there, because I know if we didn't say it, someone would write in and be like, you forgot the skateboard, and it's like, oh, yes, we did forget that. So there we go. But anyways, okay, earlier I had mentioned that several people die, or should have died, in the episodes we're talking about today. Okay, when you drop, like, the Jumbotron, Titantron scoreboard thing on someone, they're dead. I'm sorry. Go ahead and try to say he used his arms to protect himself, the tentacle arms, I should say, to protect himself. But no, that's bullshit. You don't drop something that heavy on someone unless they're Superman or whatever and and have them survive. And he just crawls out from underneath it as if it was nothing. Thank you both for coming. I'm Dr. Todd. Oh, yeah, you guys do some serious cutting-edge research. That's why the mayor called us in. See if we can clean up the metahuman situation. Follow me. Clean up the metahuman situation? As you know, the fumes inhaled by the metahumans during the Big Bang altered their DNA. We recently developed a new type of mitochondrial resequencer. We believe that we can turn back the clock for Maria. Make her the way she was before the Big Bang. You're talking about a cure? Possibly. We're very close to a breakthrough. For everyone? Not yet. It's still highly experimental. But Maria is an excellent candidate. You've dealt with her in the past. We were hoping you could help us convince her to cooperate. A cure? You think it's possible? I always thought it was just a matter of time. Next up is Wet and Wild. In this one, a hot new singer named Candide is signing autographs uh, at Spire Records when the bad turned good turned bad again hot streak and his apparent girlfriend Aquamaria attacked the place. And Virgie and Rachel... Virgie and Rachel. <laughs> God damn, can you tell I'm tired? I mean, Jesus Christ. Anyway, Virgil and Richie are there holding a spot for Daisy in the hideously long line. Uh, so they change into their costumes and fight them for a few minutes, and uh, Gear ends up freezing Aquamaria solid, but not before she douses static, which allows Hot Streak to escape. And in the process, Hot Streak, uh, Hot Streak abandons Aquamaria. Um, even though she's frozen, you can see that she sheds a tear at the apparent betrayal. So, later, Gear and Static go to see a Dr. Todd, who uh, apparently has developed a possible cure for metahumans, uh, which can change Bang Babies back to normal. Static uh, seemingly convinces Aqua Maria, who's being held in a containment chamber there in the lab, to uh, undergo the treatment. And the development of this cure is shown on the evening news and Francis who's at a local diner sees the news and that Aquamaria is going to be the one to be the first to undergo the procedure and he he gets pissed off and goes to the lab and he sneaks in and uh, blasts a power cable before Maria's treatment is completed and this compromises her molecular structure 
and she becomes a puddle and starts uh, falling down a drain in the room. So Francis is horrified at what he's done, and he sneaks back out with you know, no one knowing he was ever there. And uh, later, Gear analyzes the room, and when Static arrives, they wonder if Hot Streak might have sabotaged the procedure. But Gear wonders why he would have done this. So uh, later, Hot Streak is in the park, and uh, Maria appears in the fountain, but she can't separate her body from bodies of water. Uh, she forces him to help her get the scientists back to fix her body. So she and Francis start kidnapping them, and they uh, take them them and the equipment to their hideout. Um, and in the meantime, at the school swim meet, Dr. Todd shows up because his daughter Tina is uh, competing in it, and Maria shows up and kidnaps uh, Dr. Todd. So Static and Gear go back to the original lab to kind of track Hot Streak's footprints or whatever, and uh, Static figures out uh, where where uh, he they have to be, Aquamaria, Hot Streak, the whole gang. So uh, the scientists in the interim are trying to help uh, Maria, but the procedure doesn't work. So Francis makes a remark about maybe, maybe it was another overload. And the scientists are like, wait, how did you know about the overload? And he's like, oh, well, must have heard it on the news or something. He's like, and Todd, uh, Dr. Todd says, uh, we never divulged that information to the public. So he fumbles around and, uh, and Maria finally demands to know how he knows what, what he just said. And so finally he admits that he, he did destroy the uh, original equipment and Maria goes absolutely apeshit and starts trying to drown all of the, the men there saying that everybody lies to me no, nobody tells the truth, whatever and, uh, Static and Gear arrive but Maria easily gets away before they can do anything so they have to save the scientists at Hot Streak first and Dr. Todd says that the more water she absorbs the stronger she gets and there's only one vial of the antidote left but Dr. Todd says well, it's just not working Gear says it will work if they electrify the stuff and then administer it to Maria. So uh, Static sh uh, charges it up, and uh, Gear ends up hacking the water treatment facility computers to keep Maria from making it into the lake and becoming just omega-level powerful. And eventually they they do uh, catch up to her, and she is about to drown them, but Static tosses the vial of the Static-charged antidote into her, and it does turn her back to normal, and they take her back to the lab, and she is permanently cured. Okay, this one is better than the previous two, but I'm I'm just not really crazy about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. You know, first, I mean, come on, he's a villain again after what we saw last time. Yep. Like, I I, I almost wish they had used someone else here. I understand why they used him here. You know, fire and water. I get it. But I almost wish his next appearance would have been in the final episode of Static, Power Outage. Because then you could say, oh, he's only there because he doesn't want to give up his bang baby powers. Yep. You know, so that would make sense for him to do some dastardly things. But here, just to go terrorize some, you know, singing artist and, and rob everybody blind. Oh, no, it's such a step backwards. It kills me. Yep, they completely ruined all the character development they gave him. Yeah. Just flushed it down the toilet. Exactly. Oh. Uh, what, what were you thinking here? I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. It's it's better than the previous two. It doesn't really say a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I have to mention, though, that Ed Begley uh, Jr. did the voice of Dr. Todd. He was the voice of none other than Charlie from Joker's Favor. Um, oh, okay. And, 
and Dr. Corso from April Moon in Batman Beyond. So he's uh, he's actually played some pretty uh, standout characters, some unique characters with uh, you know their own motivations and whatnot, so that's kind of cool. Which one was April Moon? I'm not remembering that one. That was where the the doctor uh, was betrayed by the woman who was in cahoots with all the guys who wanted those cybernetic parts oh, attached. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very weird, creepy episode, but a yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like I said, I, I don't have a ton to say about this one, but because it, it, it's just, it is what it is. It's got uh, okay animation, not fantastic, but... Um, my big, I guess my big question about this one is: Static and Gear got soaked with that antidote, but Thank they weren't you. stripped of their powers. Thank you. Yeah, that was something. That was the very last note I wrote down. I wrote: Since they were in the water when the cure was activated, shouldn't they be cured too? Now, you know what? You could maybe say that it started to cure them a little, and we're seeing some of those effects in the last episode. I mean, I know they say that they've been lacing the town with the cure, you know, with a gas or whatever, but you could maybe say it started here and it just went really slow with them because you saw she gets hit with the cure and it didn't fix her outright. They still had to take her back to the facility and they say they had to administer it a few more times. Right. So, you know, there's only this episode, then, uh, what do you call it, kidnapped and power outage. And we don't know how much time has passed between these three episodes. It may only be a handful of days. So maybe their powers did start to get affected right here, right now. Yeah, I agree it's bothersome, but I, I can sort of justify it at the same time. Yeah, they should have, if they were going to do that, though, they should have mentioned it at some point, though. Right. It, during kidnap, there should have been a little thing like, man, I'm feeling weak. Or, you know, Gear says, you know, like he's not able to compute something as fast as he normally would. Because they're obviously setting up the final episode of the series right here in this episode. Uh-huh. That's why this one is here. They're they're priming us for it. So it would have been nice if in Kidnapped it did carry over in, in some small way. Richie's sexuality, it's been a topic of discussion on WFP while we've been covering Static. And here he says he'll go to the swim meet if only to see the 20 girls in swimsuits. Yep. So, again, he's either uh, hiding the fact that he is homosexual, he's bisexual, or they were just saying, you know what, fuck it, he's he's straight, and they, they just sort of dropped the whole little hints they were maybe dropping in previous episodes. Who knows? Speaking of uh, Richie, though, uh, when he was hacking into this computer, as a computer, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I was unaware. Now, I'm not a hacker, of course, but I didn't know that when you hack a computer, it meant that the keys started pressing themselves on the computer that you're you're hacking. Thank you. Yeah, keyboards don't work that way. They're not tethered down with little cables that get pulled or pushed, <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you go to your keyboard, take a little screwdriver, pop a key off, you'll see exactly how it works. That's how it that isn't how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I think they were lighting up, too. The lighting up, I'll sort of maybe forgive, you know? But the pushing down or being pulled down, no, no, no. <laughs> Especially when you're hacking, you're generally doing that to, you know, and you're being secretive. And if the keys are being pushed when you're not, you know, when you're not pushing them, that means someone's hacking you. 
You know, when yes. you're hacking someone, you don't want to get found out. <laughs> what else do you have to say about this one? Uh, I, I have a couple of things. Of course, there's a little Aquaman gag in here. Yes. Again, reminding us that this is in the... Not necessarily reminding us that it's in the DCAU, but it was still a fun little joke. Um, now, there was, I think, a slight connection to the last episode with Hot Streak. Back then, remember, he was talking about being in the hospital, and that's why he doesn't like doctors. Here, he says, stupid doctors! And you can almost feel like his... There's like a genuine rage there. He's not just saying, oh, you're stupid doctors. He's saying, like, all doctors are stupid. Like, oh, I hate them all. Yeah. You know, it's a nice that's little reminder, I thought. Yeah. Um, but in regards to him, okay, let me go over the scene again. Aquamaria, or whatever her name is. And now we've seen her before, but what episode have we seen her in? Way, way back. I think it yeah. was in the first season. Okay. Okay. Richie freezes her. And after he does that, he's quipping or whatever, Static and, uh, uh, I just lost his name, Francis, they're, they're, they're both laying on the ground. Static stands up. Francis is still laying on the ground, crumpled. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a fireball lands behind Virgil, sending him rocketing. Then we see a truck driving down the road, and they're like, oh, Hot Street just escaped. Who threw that fireball if he was laying down unconscious on the ground? It didn't come from from him. It came from like behind him off off screen. <laughs> I I have no I, clue. I seriously thought for a second there that a third bang baby was not a third bang baby, a third villain, pardon me, was going to be showing up in that scene to to wreak havoc and then when they were like, "Oh no, he escaped." I'm like, how? I even double-checked. He is laying on the ground, not moving. And that fireball does not come from him. It comes from above and behind him. It's very bad. Very bad. Yeah. Um, other little mistakes. Uh, he's able to use his power as a static when they're both wet. He, at one point, is hip-deep in the water, and he's still able to use his power. Now, maybe you could say that's okay because, you know, he's not fully soaked. He's not like he's shooting it from his hand or from his feet or anything. He's just shooting it from his hands. Okay, I'll give that with Hot Streak. But Static gets completely soaked. Ten seconds later, he's using his power again. And then, yeah, later on, he's like, oh, no, I'm tapped out. I'm too soaked. But he's already been drenched in this water. We've seen him short out when it rains or whatever. Virgil Hawkins. That's your real name, right? Lady, I don't know what game you're playing, but I'm here to... Who are you? Call me Amnara. Edwin Alva hired me to create a vast supercomputer network. Linked to every satellite, every camera, every surveillance device in the world. Why? For one purpose only, to discover your secret identity. Elva knows who I am? No, I took that valuable data with me when I left. Why'd you kidnap my dad? To get your help jump-starting my real project. I want you to steal my equipment back from Alva Industries. Why don't you just use Puff or Onyx? They don't have the power or the brains or the motivation. Next up is Kidnapped. 
in this one, we see this uh, scientist, this, this woman, and she is talking to Alva, and he is telling her that he is shutting down her project, and she's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, I don't need that project anymore. And that project was basically taking all of the security cameras, personal cameras, everything in the world, and using them to try to hunt down Static to find out who he really is. But of course, now that he is, I'm not going to say friends or even allies with Static, but, you know, they have an uneasy alliance. We'll word it that way. He, he doesn't need this project anymore. He doesn't want to violate Static's privacy like that. And she's like, okay, fine, whatever. But you said that if I did this for you, you would fund my research that I actually wanted to do. Are you still going to do that? And he's like, no. And then she crosses his arm and she's like, then I'm not working on anything else you asked me to. And he's like, okay, call security. And he's like, get this woman out of here. She's done for. So he throws her out. Uh, but before security can come get her, uh, this system she had been working on uh, finally activates. Some drone uh, is able to follow Static back to his house, and it sees him unmask. And based off that, she somehow instantly knows that Static is Virgil Hawkins, but okay. So <laughs> what she does is she kidnaps Static's dad. And uh, then blackmails Virgil into helping her. And uh, what she wants him to do is steal all of the equipment for the project that she really wanted to work on uh, from Alva. Uh, Static um, ends up doing this. But before he does, he says, let me talk to my dad. So he walks up to his dad and he's like, oh, Mr. Hawkins, I'm glad you're safe. And Mr. Hawkins is like, you can cut the act, Virgil. He's like, oh my God, you know. He's like, you know what? I figured it out. Why would they kidnap me to get to Static unless Static was you? And he's like, maybe in the back of my head, I've always known that you were. Um, and so he tells his dad, he's like, I have to do this thing. And his dad's like, don't. And he's like, Dad, I have to. But I promise you, when this is said and done, I will give up being Static. So Static, he does uh, what she asks. And she's now calling herself Amnara, by the way. And uh, he steals all this equipment for her. He brings it back. He says, you know, what? what, what is this? What is it called? Like the Omni Project or something like that? Project Omni. Project yeah. Omni, yeah. He's like, what is this? And she's like, oh, I want to take control of everything and anything, or it should be anything and everything, pardon me, that's computerized uh, and uh, be its master. So basically she wants to become like the Lawnmower Man. And uh, I don't know if anybody else remembers that movie. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so different from the Stephen King story. Not to get into a tangent, but it's so different from that. Anyways, um, but yeah, so she, uh, you know, she, th th that's her deal here. Uh, but the last component is actually on a truck, uh, and Alva's having it moved. So Static goes to get it, and when he does, Gear shows up, and he's like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, you know what, man, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. And they get into a fight. But during the fight, Static drops some clues that lets Richie know that, you know, look, I'm not doing this because I want to. Um, Richie then actually shows up back at the warehouse, but it's a little too late. She's started to activate her program, and she's become, as I said, the lawnmower man, and uh, just becomes this supercomputer god thing. And uh, Richie, though, he's able to insert some counter-program to hers, uh, which will deactivate her, but it's going to take a while to initiate. 
Um, so she ends up in the city. She ends up wreaking some havoc. But Static and Gear, they're able to bring her down um, with the help of that program, of course. And uh, at the end of the day, guess what happens to her memory? Specifically that of who Static is. Shock of shocks. It goes bye-bye. But anyways, uh, so then the boys, they, uh, they're like, well, that's good that she doesn't know our secret identities anymore. Or that she won't be able to tell people, but she's not the only one. And they turn to Mr. Hawkins, and he's like, well, boys, you know, I'm not exactly cool with this. I don't know how I feel about it. And they, they, they kind of protest, and they're like, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We know what we're doing. We know it's dangerous, but we are doing good. And he's like, you know what? He's like, you're right, and I think maybe you've been given these powers for a reason, and it's not my place to say what you can and cannot do uh, with them. And uh, he says, but uh, we have to let your sister know, too. We we basically, we can't keep secrets in the family anymore. So they go to tell, (laughs) they go to tell her, but she ends up flipping out because earlier in the episode, uh, Puff and Onyx, who are the ones that kidnapped Mr. Hawkins, uh, ruined her car. They pretty much caused it to go careening off into a building. And uh, the insurance isn't going to cover it because she doesn't have Bang Baby coverage. And she's like, I don't want to hear anything else about Bang Babies. And then she comes on. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you guys want to tell me something? And Pops is all like, uh, no. So she doesn't find out at the end of the day. What were you thinking here? Um, I don't, I don't think I, well, I don't, I mean, I don't have a grade for this episode. Uh-huh. But, but... I have a feeling that when I end up grading it, I'm going to really want to grade it higher because it has a lot of awesome moments. Uh-huh. Not the least of which was Static confronting his father in the laser yeah. prison cell thing. Yeah. That was a really, really great moment. It was, yeah. But it has a lot of flaws. A like lot. Amnara? Like, anything and everything to do with her is just a flaw. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but, I mean, really, this massive, enormous... OMG data gathering database thing amounted to one spy drone following Static home one night. Yeah. <laughs> it took how many years to develop this just to send a camera to follow Static home? Yeah. They couldn't find his webcam. They couldn't find a camera on a corner. You know, anything at the school, nothing. As you said, one drone. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Um, and then my other, another big problem I have here is, really, for fuck's sake, Virgil, why would you joke with your father's kidnapper? Mm-mm. What does he, he do? I don't remember. He, he makes a quip to Omnara over the, the uh, headset when he's out getting, uh, I think, the first batch of shit for her. Oh, okay. He makes a quip, and I'm like, what? You, you want to fry this bitch. Yeah. Why would you joke with her? Especially earlier in the episode when he was threatening, pretty much threatening the lives of Puff and Onyx. Yeah. And he's everybody else them, in contact with. He's telling them that, yeah, you know, you can't run far enough if this guy's not okay. But then when he gets to her, nothing. You know, one of the things I wrote down was, this woman, at least at this point, does not have any sort of powers. Show up shoot her in her head, and free your pops. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's... <laughs> why is he going along with this? It's not like it's Ebon or someone that could, that, that could and would take him down with their superpower. She's nothing at this point but someone with a really good computer program. 
that finally figured out who this kid was. That's it. That's yep. it. Ugh. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that earphone thing, there was a point where the earphones on static disappear and reappear in two different <laughs> camera pants. Oh, I didn't notice that. Nice catch. Yeah. Ugh. Now, did you happen to notice that when static was stealing the equipment from the warehouse it was equipment but when he got it back to her it was crates oh no i didn't i'm okay I, i'm i'm 99 sure he stole equipment not crates but she was unboxing crates yeah she was definitely taking stuff out of crates when right she got but i don't think that's what he took i don't think it was please someone double check and if i'm wrong write in let me know and i'll of course, gladly say I was wrong, but I don't think that's what he flew away with. Yeah. And again, we've got him using his electric-based powers to carry off sensitive equipment. Yeah. 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 Just Brilliant. Saying. Brilliant. <laughs> of course, you mentioned it in the, the synopsis, the the mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Of, it's like, I, you could see it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like in, uh, what's his face, speed warp. What, what was that? Whatever, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't even slight, even slightly creative like that, where he's just trapped in a slow, slow mo for the rest of his life. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah, this yeah it would have been neat. Way. It would have been neat if they did something where Gear trapped her in a computer and then unplugged it, so her brain is stuck in a computer that isn't hooked up to the interwebs or anything. You know, but instead, no, they just go with the typical, just fry your brain, and she can't process all the data, so she can't talk. Ugh. Ugh. Um, in regards to Mr. Hawkins knowing, I said very early on, when we started talking about Static, I always thought he knew. And I'm glad in some way I was right, but I'm surprised it came this late in the program. Yeah. I don't know how I got it in my head that it happened early on and that the family was in on it, but it was there. It was there in my head. And I, I was so, like I said, I was right that he knew, but I was wrong when it happened. And I was wrong about the circumstance because I thought she was in on it too. And and, and frankly, um, I'm sorry, he has no say over what gear does. You know, it's it's like you don't want us to be superheroes anymore. Like, oh, if if if, if he says we can't be superheroes, I, I guess I'll listen to this guy who's not my father and has no sort of say over what I do with my life. Like, what is Richie doing? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could maybe say that Mr. Hawkins would go tell. Yeah, Richie's that's what dad, I was thinking. <laughs> but still, Richie's acting like what Mr. Hawkins says is the law. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And we found out earlier he could run fast. It was said in his younger days he had some speed. So, yeah, he might chase them down the block. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before he has a, a coronary episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, his his weight. That reminded me. Did you happen to notice that, okay, when when we first see that laser beam jail cell that he's in, those beams aren't that far apart. But when Virgil is, I thought, in a very creative way, getting him out of there, like, all of a sudden the beams are farther apart. I'm sorry, there's no way his fat ass is getting through there. Exactly. There's no, I mean, to his credit, he sucks in his gut. That was funny. That was yeah. definitely funny, you know. But it's like, no, no, I'm sorry, you're not pulling your dad out through those bars. Or bars in quotes, you know. Well, the thing oh. is, he's got electrical powers, can't he just 
turn the damn thing off? Yeah, just short circuit them or something. You yeah. Know? <laughs> oh. No, I have oh. to make this really tense moment where I almost where I have to put you in real danger of slicing you to ribbons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, but you know, you were talking about it earlier, and I, I want to get back to it. You know. One of the things, uh, both of us, that we've always praised this show for is the family dynamic of the Hawkins. And I really do feel that their talk, both in the middle of the episode and at the end of the episode, felt truly honest. It was so genuine. Um, The only place I've actually seen that, you know, coming out conversation done better is Ultimate Spider-Man number 13 when Peter comes out to Mary Jane and it's, it, it, it just in here in static, it just captures everything these characters are about as a family, as a father and son. Um, and you know, you could tell that Mr. Hawkins really does respect and love and trust his son, even though his son's been lying to him for a good long while now. You know, and we're, I'm sure that conversation happens off screen. Like, you know, it wasn't cool that you didn't tell me the truth. You, you, you still know that he believes in his son because he's seen all the good that Static has done. And yeah. uh, I, I just, I just absolutely loved that. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the only thing that crutched up this episode, really, because mm-hmm. Omnara was such a shitty villain. Yeah. But um, we do get two. Count them two. Static getting knocked into trash alerts. Oh, I missed them. Really? They happen. Well, I think they happen pretty far apart. So. Okay. Where, where were they? I I just. Oh, I wrote, okay. okay. I didn't know where they happened. I just know they did. They wow. Were two, different, two different times where he gets knocked into a pile of trash. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that count's coming to an end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was getting a little tedious. All right. I hope it's coming to an end. I don't remember how many times that happens in Justice League. <laughs> We may have to keep going. We'll see. <laughs> That's true. He, I think he does get knocked into a trash pile in the Once in Future thing. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe it was just a running gag with them. I don't know. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I do. There was a line in here that was great with uh, Gear. He's, he's like, he comes and tells Robert and, and Static, I had a wrestling match with a garbage truck. I won. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great line. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of another good line. When um, uh, Virgil brings his dad back up to the surface, and their gears now showed up, and he's like, "Oh, well, so gear must be Richie." And Richie's all like, "Well, sir, you know the the most secret thing about superheroes is their secret identity." And Virgil's just like, "Yeah, that's Richie." <laughs> and then and then his voice squeaks. He goes from this really deep put on voice, you know, almost like a Batman voice, is what he's trying to do. To hi, Mister Hawkins, you know, his voice just squeaks. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, I swear to God, if, you know, I understand they have to bring a villain in. I'm not saying don't bring a villain in. I understand why they used a one-off villain. But I swear to God, if they would have used a villain that had a little more oomph behind it, or at least wasn't this lame, this episode's score would be so much higher. So much higher than it's going to be. Thank you for calling me. Well, Dr. Todd, we figured if anyone can explain what's up, you're the guy. This is Kangor. He's human again, yes. And before long, the same thing will happen to all of the Bang Babies. Did you say all? That's right, including you and Gear. Within a few days, your powers will be gone forever. And the final episode of Static Shock is entitled Power Outage. 
in this one, uh, we open up with Sharon bitching at Virgil about something. How about that? Hmm. Um, happens to be this time about the chores that he never does, and Robert enters and saves the day by asking Virgil to fix his electric razor, <laughs> so you know where this is going. So he does, and they just kind of leave with Sharon still bitching. But uh, later in school, we see... Uh, in the classroom, Richie gets a B minus on his exam, and this is hideous for for Richie because fuck, he's fucking gear. He's a super genius. So he explains to Virgil later that he's been having lapses in memory and concentration lately. So uh, uh, Frida and Daisy show up and yell at the guys for not helping them with the recycling project like they promised they would, but. Uh, then an explosion is heard nearby, and Virgil and Richie disappear, change into their costumes, and again, <laughs> at least, I mean, this time it's like Daisy and Frida wonder, could that be them? Yeah. No! <laughs> well, it, it should be said that in the last episode, when Static's going all ape shit on Puff and Onyx, she's, Puff says something like, why is he so riled up? Like, what, she can't put two and two together? You know, Static's ultra pissed. I, I meant to bring this up earlier. Static's yeah. ultra pissed that they've kidnapped this guy. I wonder why he's pissed. You know? Ugh. But yeah, at least here they they acknowledge that the girls sort of figure it out, but then go, no, 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 can't be. So anyway. Um, yeah, sorry. It, it turns out that Kangor and Ferret are robbing a convenience store, when and the heroes show up, and Static gets knocked down by Kangor on a rooftop, but before Kangor can stomp the shit out of him, uh, Kangor starts glowing and his feet start to shrink. And later, the same thing ends up happening to Ferret when he's telling this news to the Metabreed. And we go to the hospital and Dr. Todd shows up again and says that Kangor is now a normal human. And then in a matter of days, all metahumans in Dakota will be normal. Um, on the news, Dr. Todd, or later on the news, I should say, Dr. Todd explains that, uh, he has been spraying Dakota with a low dosage of the antidote from the Wet and Wild episode uh, for the better part of a month, and he says that the governor authorized this, and that with a few exceptions, really, the Bang Babies are a menace, and they should all be turned back to normal. So Robert asks, asks Virgil how he feels about this, and Virgil uh, says, well, he, I, I'd miss being static, but, I mean, maybe it would be okay to go back to being a normal kid. Um, Gear, however, is not taking this too well, and he's he's like crying and like, no, I, I don't want to go back to being a not genius. And um, so they go, the two of them go to see Doctor Todd, and he, in the meantime, is being assaulted by the Metabreed in his lab as Ebon demands to have whatever is left of the Bang Baby gas that he has that he used to make the antidote in the first place. So. Static and Gear arrive as Talon starts reverting to her human form, and the other and all the other metahumans, that being Static and Gear included, start losing their powers too. Uh, Ebon uses all that's left of his remaining power to get himself, Francis, and Shiv out of there. He's really struggling to just to keep this little portal open. Back at the hospital, Talon, whose real name is uh, Teresa, says that she never wanted or, or she never wants to go back to being a metahuman. She wants to be normal. And she tells the heroes that Ebon plans to use the last canister of gas to, of course, set off another big bang. So uh, they go off to stop him, but when they leave, uh, Teresa is kidnapped by the Metabreed. And so Static and Gear are having problems flying with their powers going wonky. 
and uh, it, but they do eventually make it to the docks where the Metabreed have all become normal now. We actually see Ebon's regular human form for the first time. And uh, Static and Gear steal the canister as uh, the breed start chasing after them. And Francis uh, gets it back as they lock the heroes up in a room on, a sh- on this ship at the docks. Uh, Francis, however, sneaks away with it while everybody was distracted. So Ebon eventually catches up with him in the, uh, the captain's room in the ship, and they start fighting, and the gas goes off. Uh, uh, Teresa ends up freeing Gear and Static, and they make their way up to the top of the ship, and Virgil and Richie are re-exposed to the gas, and they get their powers back. However, they have a very, very large problem on their hands, because Ebon and Hot Streak have become one gigantic metahuman fire blob thing, and they fight the, the blob for a while to very little effect, but uh, it seems that Static's powers have become much more powerful now. And um, when the blob opens up a Ebon vortex in its body, uh, Gear and Static are almost sucked into it, but Static manages to get this fuel tank on the, shi- on the ship's deck, and he lets it get sucked into the tornado instead, and then he blasts it while it's inside the portal, so the tank explodes, taking the Ebon Hot Streak hybrid and the entire ship with it in a massive explosion. And um, it's it's unclear if if they're dead because they never they never find out definitively because they you can see this kind of flame pop up from the water, so it's ambiguous as to if he, if they died or not. So uh, anyway, later Gear says that uh, if Doctor Todd whips up another antidote and starts dispersing it again. He's just going to have to whip up a cure for the cure since, hey, I'm a genius again and I can do this kind of thing. <laughs> and that's where Static Shock ends. Yeah, while watching this one, I realized I was watching this one. I wasn't watching it to take notes, you know. Uh, yeah. The very first note I wrote down, and this tells you how deep into the episode I was, is... Yes, this is the very first time we have ever seen Ebon's human form. And I think that was maybe with like six-ish, seven-ish minutes left of the episode. That's, I think, past the halfway point when we see that. Oh, yeah, that. It's, it's definitely past the halfway point. Yeah, so, yeah, that's how much I was enjoying this one. I thought yep. this, this was a really good, action-packed episode. I think they did a really great job cramming... A lot of stuff in here while wrapping up the series. Um, yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, I tend to agree. I, I, I may not be as high on it as you, but I, I do agree it was a good way to end the series. Um, I, don't, I have a question here about gear. When did, have they ever said before that Gear's skates are controlled by his mind through backpack? That was a first. That bothered me. At first, but then he explained that it's all about him being able to process the data and control the skates at the same time. And I think because his brain isn't working as fast as it was before, he can't do it. So it does seem a little wonky, but at least they found a way to explain it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it's still lame, but at least they explained it. You know. Yeah. I okay. I'll give him credit. Yeah. Um, but here's a question I have about this cure thing. Uh, 
this this guy, Dr. Todd, fails to realize that what if a metahuman is flying around and loses his or her powers mid-flight? Yeah. Splat. Yeah. They're dead. Yeah, I mean, as he said, you know, he's he's got the governor's backing, so the governor would take the fall for that, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> so he's he's got his ass covered there, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they even address it here, where... I think it's Richie says something like, yeah, what if our power is cut out when they're trying to fly? And Static's like, stay low to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they can't risk that shit. They just can't. Yep. Um, I, I will say, I definitely felt for Gear more than I did Static here. Because Gear's power... Okay, I'm not trying to diminish Static's power at all. But Static's power is your traditional superhero battle-ready power. You know, whereas Gear's power, there's, there, there's, it's, it's not a battle power. You know, he's not meant to go out there and fight. That's why he has the suit and backpack and those little grenade things that he comes up with. You know, his power, he really could better mankind with his power. You know, Static's power, yes, he's keeping criminals off the street and he's fighting super criminals and he's taking them down. That's a very good thing. But Richie could use his power to cure diseases. You know, he, he's the one that figured out how to make the cure for the Bang Babies work and he did it on the fly. That shows you how smart he is. Who knows what the world will lose because he doesn't have his big brain anymore. Yeah, so. I completely agree. That was that was. I love the way they they wrote him in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, they don't say any of that in the episode. It's you just have to kind of look at it and go, yeah, that that does suck. Not just for him, but for literally the entire world, because he could reshape everything, everything yeah. about about society as a whole. I love how he he kind of ends the episode with the Star Trek like like line. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Where he's pretending to be Spock, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice little throw in there. Yeah, I, I do have another thing here. Kangor is wearing his sunglasses in a hospital bed, and and his uh, bandana too. He had that on. <laughs> yeah, you think that the doctors would take that off of him? Yeah, they you took his think. shoes off, but not his sunglasses or his bandana. <laughs> Like, we can't see his eyes. Oh, no. Something hidden under there. Hey, maybe his eyes are... Maybe he's one of those can't-go-out-in-the-sun-bang babies, even though he was out in the sun all the time, and his eyes are still affected. I know that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know. The thing I'll, I will always remember Kangor for is that ridiculous music. Yeah. Thank you for the transition there. Uh, I will say that the music in this one, I kind of liked it. Um, like, I, I forget which scene it was specifically. But there was one point, it's it's the song they play a couple of times in this one, where I was like, you know what, that's not half bad music. It kind of felt like it fit the scene, it fit the mood of the episode, and uh, I, I wanted to throw that out there. Normally I was down on the music, but I'll I'll admit when it was good. Yeah, Good-ish. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, for the most part, I didn't really pay attention to the music in this whole series. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, of course, I had to mention it in uh, Toys in the Hood because it was so god awful yeah. there, yeah. but for the most part I didn't really pay attention to it because it's all it just for the most part anyway it's just kind of generic hip hop style or rap you know yeah, yeah. just kind of throwaway music really. Now now you said that a flame popped up from the water I must have blinked then because I didn't see that. Yeah it, well it's like there's this 
it's a blob with fire on it, and it kind of does pop out of the water, but it goes back under. Oh, okay. So it's, you know, we never find out, do they live or do they, are they goners? Hmm. Now, speaking of that, what do you feel about that? You know, did he kill them? Are they alive? I know they don't come back, ever, but what are you thinking there? I... I really don't know what to think. I, this is something I would have to really sit down and be like, well, there's that, but then there's that. But I I don't have a problem with it just because, really, at that point, Static and Gear are like, oh, God, what are we going to do about this thing? And they're yeah. just having to think of anything they could possibly think of on the fly because they have never fought anything like what Ebon and Hot Streak became. Right. Not even close. Not even Ebon on his most menacing day was that powerful so i don't have a problem with static like oh there's a fuel tank let's let's throw it into him and see what happens you know yeah it it didn't bother me at all it it, you know it it made sense to 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 have him do it and it put uh, a period on the series you know i mean i know they kind of have a question mark at the end oh maybe they're alive but you know it's it's nice to have some sort of ending even though it's a little open-ended so, and because, as you said, because they were th- this 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 ultra super menace, what was he gonna do? Really, this this wasn't you know this is like it's it's on the same level as Godzilla. There's no reasoning with it. You could maybe reason with Ebon. You could definitely reason with uh, Francis, but you couldn't reason with that thing. It was just a mindless monster at that point. Yep. So you had to do what you had to do. And especially because Gear was about to be inhaled into that thing. Because yeah. What's Gear going to do? He could barely get out of there. Static, his his powers were ramped up, and he could probably get away, but not Gear. Right, right. Um, who were those villains? I, there were there was one of them I I recognized, but I couldn't place them. When we saw Ivan's new gang, it was going to be the Fat Albert ripoff. It was the the woman. That was like the Hulk-like creature that they tried making us think was the guy. Uh-huh. Uh, Shiv was there, but who Boom, was... Boom, I think. What's that? I think it was Boom. Was he the guy with the speaker in his chest? Yeah. Okay, that's who I wasn't sure of, because there's one point where his shirt's ripped open, and he's, like, touching his chest as if something's missing, and I couldn't remember who it was. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what else are you going to say about this one? There's an animation flub, I got it. Oh, know. where? Shiv... Bends down to pick up a gas canister that wasn't there. Oof. It was not on the ground, but he bends down to pick it up, and then it's just magically in his hands. <laughs> that being the Bang Baby gas canister. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, he's, it's clear. He just bends down to pick it up, but it's not there. <laughs> and, and then he... It is. <laughs> Did that canister keep changing sizes? Because I thought when yes. Talon yes. pulled it out, it was, like, kind of long, and then by the end of the episode, it was, like, a gas grenade size canister. It was like a thermos. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it kept it just like kept shrinking. I don't know what was going on in there. I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say, but nope, I guess not. Okay, let's get to our scores then. What are you going to give where the rubber meets the road? <sighs> uh, solely for the message, really, uh, a two. Okay, that's also getting a two from me. Linked. Uh, three. But like you said, no specs and trappers, so give it a <laughs> point. I'm going to agree with a three. Wet and wild. 
Uh, was this the one I didn't have a note for? I can't remember. Because I, 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 I wrote a note down in the middle of it, so now I forgot which one I didn't have a note <laughs> for. So I'll give this a six. Okay, I'm going to give that... I, I got to give this one a four. I just have to. Okay, then, uh, Kidnapped. I will give that a five. Ooh, really? Despite the... the okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, really, it, it's, it boils down to the fact that the huge Omega villain takes up so much so much of the episode, but it does balance out with all the great stuff with Virgil and his dad. Yeah, ooh, I had a six written down, but you're so... You know, uh, uh, I don't know what to do with this one, because you're right, the villain is so lame, and so much of the time is taken up with that. But the Virgil stuff is good. Also, like you you said, none of that ep- the episode at the ha- last half of the episode ever should happen because Virgil should have just blasted her. You, you know, you're right. I'm so, I, I'm going to bump it down from a six to a five. Oh yeah. And uh, last but not least, power outage. I'll give that a seven. And I am going to give that an eight. Mister Hawkins, I'm glad to see you're okay. You can drop the act, Virgil. You know. Wasn't hard to figure out. Why else kidnap me to get to static? And maybe, maybe in the back of my mind, I've always known. Oh, Pops, I never meant to put you in danger, I swear. I know that, son. I don't blame you. But it's quite a shock to find out your son's a superhero. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll reevaluate a few episodes of The Zeta Project and Static Shock and then give our final thoughts on those two series. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast.